Okay, so uh, those are just some of the voice notes that you continue to send. Can you believe it? So the school, um, the... <laughs> The Boone's Mega School, Mega Farm School, the one where um, the learners were abducted from effectively, it's right next to the police station. Did you hear the truck driver saying that it's less than 500 meters from the police station? Unbelievable. All right, so we're going to continue with something that has really become, um, I think in many ways, an emotive uh, conversation and not emotive only because of what happened in this country, or rather because of what happened yesterday, rather. But I think emotive because of what has been happening in this country over a, a, a period of, of time. And it's not confined to just one decade, perhaps maybe even two decades. And it's culminating in and manifesting itself in, in different forms right now. And it's around dealing with the issue of those who are non-nationals. Sometimes, uh, you know, those who are non-nationals in the country, they also, of course, those who describe uh, and, and call illegal immigrants who are in the country and the rights that they believe should be afforded to these individuals, what it is that they should be allowed to do, what it is that sh that they shouldn't be allowed to do. Uh, the EFF, of course, drawing, I think, uh, a lot of scrutiny following um, the visit to multiple restaurants at Mall of Africa yesterday. They were there to inspect how many people, that is, South Africans and non-nationals, were employed by that restaurant. And it has drawn really diverse reactions um, from across the political landscape, but I think also just South Africans in, in general uh, expressing multiple views. We thought we'd look at what the actual labor laws of this country say. Uh, and, and to join us for that conversation, Michael Bagram is a labor law expert and he's with Bagram Attorneys. Michael, good morning to you. Thank you for your time today. Thank you and thank you for inviting me. It, it is a, a topic that's hot at the moment and unfortunately very, very emotional. Mm. Um, mm. And yes, I'm, I'm happy to try and outline uh, what the legal situation is, but people have to bear in mind that it's coupled with emotion, and it's coupled with the problem that we have 10 million unemployed South Africans. And so as soon as you see a foreign worker in a workplace, you can imagine the emotion that runs with it. Mm. Um, but quickly to start, let's have a look at our Constitution, which is obviously the founding document of our democratic South Africa, and our Constitution says that every single worker in the country is entitled to fair labor practice. It doesn't say every single South African worker or every single citizen. Is every single worker is entitled to fair labor practice. So that should be the founding document. That should be the golden thread that runs through everything that we do and believe in this country. So everyone's entitled to the free labor practice and fair labor practice. The next step is we need to have a look at what legislation is following on the Constitution that actually um, should be the essence of where we go. And the one piece of legislation that's important to have a look at is the Employment Equity Act. 
And that takes our constitution one step further, and it says every employer must take steps to promote equal opportunity in the workplace by eliminating unfair discrimination in any employment policy or practice. So it underlines what our constitution is doing, and it unpacks it. And if you have a look at Chapter 2, which is the prohibition of unfair discrimination at the workplace, it means everyone's entitled to fair deal, whether you're a foreigner or South African or whatever. You must also look at our criminal law, where you cannot employ someone in the country if they don't have a work permit or if they're not South African. So that's another issue altogether. Now, that law doesn't put hand in glove with our Labor Relations Act because you can imagine employers come to me as an attorney often and they say, I've now discovered I've got five employees who don't have work permits and they're all foreigners. And I say to them, well, you can't fire them because of the Labor Relations Act and you need to do it properly and fairly. And so the two laws don't go hand in hand, and that's a real problem. You must understand that there can't be discrimination, and if you have a look very carefully at the Employment Equity Act, it says that you are prohibited from discriminating against anyone for just about any reason. It, 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 goes, it goes quite far in that it says you can't discriminate them for race, gender, sex, pregnancy, marital statements, etc., etc., it goes on to, to any other arbitrary ground. So you can't discriminate against someone that is there from another country and might have a problem in, in the employment situation. Employers need to be aware that if you are caught employing someone without a work permit, that's a criminal offense, that employee will be deported, and you will pay a fine and possibly even face jail. And so there's a problem with it as our unemployment grows more and more, and it's been growing to the worst in the world over the last 15 years, you can imagine South Africans are now starting to have a look at all the jobs and saying, but hold on a minute, that restaurant's got 50% uh, Zimbabweans, for instance. What's going on? That's why I can't get a job. And people tend to do that. And they don't tend to look at the individual circumstances. You might have a person working there who is from another country who does have a work permit and has been working hard and, and quite happily in the job. The other problem, of course, is that many employers, and we need to point fingers at employers as well, employ people from other jurisdictions so that they don't have to pay the minimum wage. And people who are from other jurisdictions are so desperate to find work that they take it. And so you can see they're breaking the law from that angle as well. Um, so there's a whole lot of issues that arise out of it. Finally, I think it's wrong for a political party to get involved in something like this. The political party is not a trade union. They're not the Department of Labor. They're not an employer's organization. They have no right to just demand to go into any place. All political parties have no right unless it's a particular oversight from Parliament itself. Sorry for that mouthful. No problem, Mike. I think you've given us uh, quite a bit to unpack further. And I want I want to take a couple of steps back. You know, I've been listening to people calling into this radio station, not just uh, from earlier on this morning, but even from, from yesterday, expressing views around it. And 
the description is often given of illegal foreigners. So we don't want these illegal foreigners in uh, the country or we don't want these illegal foreigners taking these jobs because they are here illegally. From a labor law perspective, does the law make, um, does it specify in terms of this person is here as an asylum seeker. This person is here as an uh, as a non-national, but they have the documents to be here, so they're not here illegally. And you know the difference between those who are here without the proper documentation. Yeah, the law does, and you'll see the permits that people get. Unfortunately, there are a lot of permits that are being forged, so you've got to be careful of that. I had, in fact, two weeks ago, an employer come to me who showed me the permits of his employees, and when we investigated with the Department of Employment and Labor and Home Affairs, those permits were not real. They were forged, so you've got to be careful about that, and they look real. I mean, I couldn't tell the difference. Mm. The permit says that you have a right, and the permit says you're right to study, the right to stay, you're an asylum seeker, and it also say that you have a right to work if, we, if you do have that right. And so employers bear the onus to look very carefully at the permits and to see that the person's permit is up to date, it's valid, and also to see what is their right. Are they here to study? Are they here just as an asylum seeker and they can't work, or can they actually work? Um, and it's employers bear that onus to, to look at. Unfortunately, there is, as I said, there's a big illegal trade at the moment in illegal permits, and we're going to face this very strongly with Zimbabweans um, very soon because, as you know, government is cracking down because we have, I don't know, probably over a million Zimbabweans in the country. Okay, so the permit then becomes the first obvious point of call to start with to say, um, does this individual have a permit? What does the permit say? For those who don't have permits, is it illegal to be employing them according to the country's labor laws? Yes, absolutely. You cannot employ someone who is not entitled to work. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. So anybody who's... The problem em- is, yeah, yeah. once you've employed them, it becomes very difficult to dismiss them. And you would have to dismiss either the fact that they lied to you and mm. they said that you um, you over here, um, because you've got a permit and the permit's illegal, then you would have dismissed them because they gave you an illegal permit. Or they lied to you and said they do have a permit and they'll show you in due course, then you can dismiss them for that. But it was very difficult to dismiss someone if you haven't asked. And many employers say, I'm running a restaurant, I'm looking for 20 waiters, they would then go ahead and employ the 20 waiters who come to them as cheaply as possible, and they're not having a look at the paperwork, that employer is now liable. So, so even upon discovery that perhaps some of these people that you may have employed do not have permits and therefore have been employed illegally, um, the law has already kicked in. So you would still have to undergo several processes. Um, so, so they enjoy the rights of workers, even though their employment may have been illegal. Absolutely. And that's the problem. I think that's a lacuna. That's a, 
a problem in our law mm. uh, because many employers do come to me and they say, we now discovered the permit is illegal. Many of these employees didn't even know. They go and go to what they think is a person who can issue permits. They say, here it is for a thousand rand, you can have a permit. They think it's, it's completely fine. They then go to an employer, show that permit to an employer, employer takes them on, they start working, they haven't done anything wrong in their own eyes, and nor is the employer. And now the employer finds out, now, it's so difficult to then fire that person. You have to go through an exercise like you would normally go through in terms of our Labor Relations Act. In other words, to say that, unfortunately, your paperwork is not in order due to my operational requirements. I can't keep you. I must have a hearing. I must have a give you notice, etc. So you, you can't just say cheers unless, of course, that person actually lied to you. We're going to con- and then you have yeah. a disciplinary hearing and you'd fire them. We're going to continue the conversation with Michael Bagram, and I'd really love to hear what is the responsibility. So if I, as Kathy, take a job and don't fully disclose the fact that I don't have a permit, then what is my liability in in all of this? And, of course, uh, plenty more other issues. Uh, The number to dial to get in touch with us on this conversation, 011-714-8999. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation on The Talking Point and we're specifically looking at this issue of the employment of non-nationals versus South Africans and what we have seen uh, in, in by way of the inspections that the EFF, as the EFF has described them, that they held to various restaurants. They want quotas um, basically implemented, that there should be a certain percentage of South Africans that are hired at these restaurants. And we're finding out what the, the law actually says on these issues. So uh, Michael Bagram is joining us for this conversation and he's already kicked off with, with highlighting the importance of permits and saying that employers need to start with the permits and find out whether their employees have permits or not. Because once you've employed somebody who does not have a permit, then it becomes difficult uh, to get rid of them. Because even though the process of employing them may have been illegal, um, they then, once employed, automatically are entitled to protection under the country's labor laws. So, so Michael, I was talking about the the responsibility on the individuals themselves. So I hear the issues in terms of um, the problems with our own government system where illegal permits are being issued. I hear the responsibility of the employers in needing to, first of all, find out about the existence of permits, check that everything is in, is in order. What about the responsibility that perhaps I, as Kathy, has when I either lie about having a permit or have submitted a permit that is uh, forged? Well, the reality is if you know the permit is forged and you submit it, you are lying to your employer and you're breaking the trust relationship and your employer will have a disciplinary hearing and dismiss you very quickly. That's the bottom line. Mm. Even if you lie and say, I've got a permit, I'll bring it to you next week and I start today, again, you would be brought to a disciplinary hearing and be dismissed very quickly. And there shouldn't be a problem. Of course, what is happening is that many of these employees then run to the CCMA mm-hmm. uh, and say they've been unfairly dismissed, and then you've got a whole problem there. 
but the CCMA has been quite good with that. I've done many of those cases, and employers are absolved very quickly um, if they can show that they were past this permit and that the employee knew about it. Uh, so there shouldn't be a problem there. The real problem is, is where the employee actually believes the permit is real and shows it to the employer. The employer then believes it's real, and then they enter into an employment arrangement, and they've been working like that for months, years, sometimes even decades. And then you suddenly find out after investigating that it's not real. Mm. And that's a problem, and that's when you have to go through an exercise. I, I suspect it can cost you a lot of money as an employer trying to get that person out of your employer. And that's where the problem lies. Like I said, I've been doing this for a couple of years now where employers are starting to now investigate and starting to look at it. Or, an, or a labor inspector arrives at your premises and says, I want to see the papers of all your employees. And these permits come out and the labor inspector says that these permits aren't real. Then you've got a problem. The other problem is that I have sent permits in fact, a few times now, to the department saying, please investigate these permits and get back to me as to whether they're real. And no one gets back to you. Mm. And so that's also a problem. I, I've sent a whole bunch of permits to the inspectors to say, please, we need to know this because we have employed these people and now we're investigating and we're not sure if these are real and they're legitimate. And, uh, you know, I've complained to the director general about this. I'm not getting answers. Okay, Michael, we're going to continue this conversation. Jack in Pretoria, you'll be our first caller after the latest 11.30 news headlines. The Talking Point with Kathimo Sasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. So just before we get to our callers on the subject, we're talking to Michael Bagram. We're exploring exactly what the law says about the employment of non-nationals in the country, and that is the legal employment of non-nationals. So, Michael, when it comes to the skills in which non-nationals can be employed, because that's really a big part of this conversation, what is the criteria that we are looking at here? In, in terms of employing non-nationals, obviously the first criteria would be to ensure that all their paperwork's in order and that they have the qualifications. Uh, you must also remember, and it's another issue altogether, but in terms of our employment equity legislation, when people are saying that I want to employ people from previously disadvantaged communities, a non-national doesn't count. That doesn't help that, for instance, you've got 12 foreign nationals who are female. That doesn't add to your female figures. Or even black, it doesn't add to your black figures either. So for employers to say, well, we've now submitted our employment equity figures and we have 92% black uh, employees, that's not right if 80% of their staff are non-nationals. So be careful of that as well. Um, but, of course, when you employ people, you need to first and foremost just check that they do have either they are citizens or they are um, permanent residents or they have a proper permit to be able to work. When it comes to this call for quotas to be put in place, uh, and this is an argument that comes up a lot, that in your your what is considered low-skilled um, careers or sectors, 
then the employment of non-nationals in those areas should be limited because these are skills that are not scarce. So when we look at industries um, that would be affected, what are some of those that immediately come to mind, Michael? Well, obviously farming, um, non-skilled jobs, uh, labor-related type jobs. Um, In the the industry, they call it blue-collar work. Uh, the reality is to start discriminating against foreigners in those circumstances goes against our constitution. It also goes against the legislation, um, and that, in particular, the Employment Equity Act, where everyone has to be protected from unfair discrimination. So you can't discriminate against someone because they happen to be coming from another country. Um, you can't discriminate against a person who has arrived here from Europe, has a work permit, and is now working. You can't say, I'm not going to employ you um, in this particular job because you're a foreigner. Uh, the law will not tolerate that, and certainly our Constitution doesn't tolerate that. It'll take, that will mean a constitutional change uh, to try and bring something like that in. In other words, it is an argument that farm labor is unskilled labor, and that many of the farms, especially up north in this country, are populated by foreigners. And the argument is that our locals need jobs, so let's not employ the foreigners. Mm. Um, that argument doesn't hold water if those foreigners have work permits. So much to explore in this conversation, but I also see that the number of calls we have on the line are increasing. So let me see if I can take a couple of calls and then we'll come back to some of the other issues that I wanted Michael to give us clarity on. Uh, in Pretoria, Jack, good morning. I mean, Kathy, I'm glad that Michael or Jeff is calling uh, people from outside foreigners because that's what we get called when we're outside. So we can't massage this and start to call them non-nationals. And the second issue... Before we come to whether a person has got a permit uh, stolen, illegal or legal, is that if a person crosses the border of South Africa illegally, that person committed a crime. So instead of focusing on saying the person has got a work permit, whether it was gotten legally or illegally, mm. check if the person is in the country illegally. Because without the government, that we blame all the time. The same countries, I cannot go to Malawi now. I'm going to be stopped by a private citizen in, in Malawi. I cannot be employed in a resident there. Not the government. The same people are going to stop me from being employed there. They'll stop me from running a spada shop. So can we once for once be honest about this country? We, we, we don't have a challenge with getting people coming from outside. The same way we go to their countries legally, can they also come to this country legally? Mm. Because I'll tell you my last point, Kathy. Mm. We have got the police. We blame the police. If you have got a budget for... 40 million people. Suddenly you've got 80 million people. There's nothing that the police can do. So it's unfair to criticize our public service. It's unfair to criticize our police because we don't overwhelm their countries, but they come and overwhelm South Africa. Then we are seen as a failing or a failed state. It's not fair. You know, Jack, don't go off the line just yet uh, because yeah. you're raising an issue that, that I think Michael can also speak to here. Yes. Um, if somebody has, you know, come into the country illegally, as you put it, once yes. they in, they're in the country, they automatically enjoy the rights that are afforded to all people in this country. The, and that's, that's just based off of the Constitution. And Michael touched on 
what the constitution says about work in this country. But also let's not forget South Africa belongs to all who live in it. And and, and Michael, maybe this is a good point to also to, to bring you in here uh, because Jack is effectively saying what we should not be questioning, you know, bringing it down to the, the, the labor issues is, is the last issue of, of resort that we should first start with the fact that somebody perhaps entered this country illegally. Uh, absolutely. I mean, the, the first port of call, and of course the caller is absolutely correct. Mm. We should have proper border posts. We should have proper fencing in our borders. Uh, we've got a completely porous border. Um, I'm not an expert in this, but I've been up to that border post. I mean, it's, it's, it's silly. It looks like a washing line. Uh, people are pouring in and out every day. Um, we're losing an incredible amount of money, first of all. Um, but we, we, I mean, it's porous. You try and get a job, and the caller said this, you try and get a job in Botswana and see what it's like. It's, it's absolutely impossible. I had to try and, try and do some work in Botswana. And there was just no ways. I had to get a, um, a, a labor lawyer up there. I couldn't do the work myself. So it, it's, it's a real problem here in this country. We're facing a massive problem because of our poorest borders. And we should hold the government to account and say, listen, uh, man our borders properly, because that's creating all sorts of problems down the line. And as we know, we're having a whole discussion now, is that many of our jobs are held by foreign workers. And many of them are illegal. They might have crept through the border. They might have come in in any sort of other way. Um, they didn't come formally through customs. They came through the border posts or through the harbors. And it's a problem at the moment. The reality is that our constitution is an incredibly liberal constitution. And yes, it's probably one of the best constitutions in the world. Uh, but we do need to have a very careful look at how we man our country and who we let in. And in fact, at the end of the day, we must make sure that when we're letting people in, that they are skills that we need. We need those uh, rare skills. Yes, we, we must have them because each rare skill that comes in creates a whole lot of other jobs. But it doesn't help to give people work permits to come and be laborers. That doesn't help us at all. Mm. All right. Okay, Jack? Just, just one point. Uh, you see, we are saying we are Africa as a continent. Sometimes we want to compete with Europe. But this, the, the way the other African countries are treating South Africa is not fair. There's no way we can, we can fight this. I'll tell you, we're told that once Mugabe dies, people will go back. There's been four years now, nothing is happening. And uh, right now, instead of even, I, I agree with the law being enforced, but why can't my conscience tell me that, look here, I'm a Zambian, I'm a Malawian. What am I doing causing havoc in South Africa, which is part of Africa. They don't love us, these guys, I'm telling you. They don't love us. Okay. They say solidarity. It also show it when it's on their side. On India countries, there's no way like xenophobia. So this thing must come to a stop. Okay. All right. Jack in Pretoria, uh, an important point being made there about the porous borders, uh, more specifically. Matkubela, you're calling us from Centurion. Good morning. Kathy and your guests, good morning. Mm. Uh, the point I want to raise is that the, your guest is making a false interpretation of the Constitution. We need to remember that South Africa is a republic. 
when the constitution states that South Africa belongs to all those who live in it, it, re- it refers to its citizens. That is why there is the citizens' act. So that uh, context to which people are saying, and I've heard a lot about it, people saying South Africa belongs to all those who live in it. It's untrue, and it's a time now that it needs to be tested. The second point I want to make is that he says political parties have no right to check who is breaking the law and who's not. Does it mean that employers have cut a blanche to be in cahoots with illegal migrants to break the law by employing people who have no permits or people who have false prom- uh, uh, permits? So he's got to be careful because he's definitely, from where I stand, he is promoting employers to break the law and employ non-South Africans who have no permits. Michael? Yeah, I, I disagree, and, and so does the Constitutional Court disagree with the caller. Our Constitution doesn't wor- use words loosely. When it says it belongs to all those that live in it, means all those that live in it. It would have said otherwise it belongs to all our citizens, and that's not true. Um, and there are many people that are here completely legally, completely at them with the Department of Home Affairs and Labor that are not citizens, that are foreigners, that are living here and working here, and very happily so, and legally. Um, so I disagree entirely with the the listener. Um, but you can see the anger, and you can hear what's going on. And the reason why it's becoming like this is because the jobs are so scarce. Uh, we need to relook at our whole system of employment. We need to look at our whole system of labor law um, and to try and encourage job creation because... We're getting thinner every year, and it's really not acceptable. And when this happens, when you have 10 million unemployed, people do tend to have a look and say, who took my job? Where is it going? And you obviously pick on a scapegoat, and that then turns to xenophobia, and then we've got real problems, uh, which we can't afford. As, as South Africans, we're peace-loving people. We can't, we can't afford xenophobia. Let me go to Arnold. You're calling us from Eckenhook. Arnold, good morning. My name is Kathy. Hello. What is so painful is that for a number of days since this conversation has taken place, persons with disabilities have, no, have never been mentioned in these conversations of being employed. And if one talks about the Constitution, even when in that, we are not being mentioned. Somewhere, somehow, it just feels like we are being relegated into being nothing, but that is okay. To the second point, um, being, I mean, what is being said by Department of Labor would say that um, they do not have resources, therefore we must do their job and give them a report. But they are, they, I mean, they've never came to us and told, uh, and, and told us that they cannot do their work, therefore we must help them. We only know that now. Lastly, lastly, says Casey, you know what is this resulting into? It is resulting in, uh, into a situation wherein when one goes to a restaurant, I will actually tell the manager that I don't want to be served by any foreign national, whether legally or illegally. It is going there, and it's going to be painful to those who are running the business. Thank you. 
Yeah, look, I suppose it's part of why this issue needs to be addressed, because certainly that is not the place that we want to find ourselves. And Michael, do you think that, um, you know, we, we're going to get greater accountability from employers? No, I, I don't think so. I, I think what we need to do is we need to ratchet up the uh, Department of Home Affairs. We need to tighten our borders. We need to know that when people are in this country, um, they came here legally. Um, you, don't, you don't experience what we experience in here. You don't experience in other countries um, where their borders are tight, where they are very careful about who comes in. And they are very sure that when someone's there, they're there for a purpose. Yes, there's always leaks in everyone's borders, but you try and get into Switzerland and see what it's like. It doesn't work. You can't just walk in through a fence. So that's the first of the first callers who spoke. That's that's obviously the first port of call. Let's make sure of that. Then we need to have a Department of Employment and Labour that works properly. That if you show them work permits that they get back to you very quickly and say, no, these are not valid or they are valid. So at least we know what's happening. And then finally, we need proper inspectors to make sure that when people are employed, that they're not getting paid less than the minimum wage. Because that is also an encouragement to employers to go and say, listen, I need 100 people on my farm because it's now uh, the time when I need extra people. I can get foreigners at half the price. That shouldn't be legal at all. It isn't legal, but we need we need some oversight to make sure that that doesn't happen. So, so, so then, Michael, you know, and and again, the centre of of this conversation has really been around um, uh, around the employment of 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 of, of these non nationals. Do you think that South Africans? also need to start turning the spotlight on themselves and South African employers in particular and their own contribution to this problem? Uh, absolutely. I mean, you, you can't... You need, you need two to tango. You need an, an illegal foreigner and you need an employer because an illegal foreigner can't exist in a job without the employer. The employer needs to be more vigilant as to who goes in. Um, People are warned, and I often warn my clients as a labor lawyer, I say, if you're going to take in someone who doesn't have a work permit, it's a massive fine, and you can go to jail. Not the employee. You, as the employer, can go to jail, and Mm -hmm. they need to be warned. Of course, many employers are very complacent because the department is so slack. And because they don't have a proper budget and because they don't have enough inspectors and they don't have the wherewithal, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I can speak on that for hours, but that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is there's no vigilance, there's no oversight on people that are coming through the country. And then once they do find employment, there's no vigilance there as well. And look, let's, let's, let's understand that we're getting criminals from around the world who come here and they say this is a safe haven. It's easy to get in here and it's easy to disappear into society. And it's a safe haven for international criminals as well. So it's a problem that is pervasive.
Michael Begram, we're going to leave it there for today. Let me thank you so much for uh, coming onto the show and explaining at least a part of the labour law side of this conversation and the challenges, the practical challenges that are being experienced on the day to day.